All right. Good morning, Faith Church. How's it going, everybody? Hey, my name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church, and it's a privilege to have all of you here. So thankful and grateful you decided to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith Church. Come on, it's not about a building. It's not really about me, you and I. It's about Jesus. We say it every week. Come on, we believe that Jesus, come on, he is the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll invite Jesus into your life, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Come on, somebody who knows that's true. Well, listen, we are in week five. A lot of times we do series. Typically, we teach in series. We take a topic and we break it down over multiple weeks and lean hard into the conversation, what God's word has to say about it. Sometimes we'll do a two or three week, and sometimes we'll go a little longer. This is a six-week series on the me mentality, because there's a lot of me that we got to get out of me. And so we got to go a little longer, a little deeper, and a little harder to hear what God has to say on the topic of you and I. Again, the me mentality is this idea that we live in a culture that's saturated with self. We live life about us and for us, and everything revolves around us. And the challenge is, even though the world lives that way, what we know is that you can't really be a Christ follower and have you at the center of your life. There's really only room for one person in the center of your life that sits on the seat of your heart, and either it's Jesus or it's you. And if you make it about Jesus, your life will be about him. But if you make you on the center of your life, life will be about you. And so what we have found is that living the me mentality is contrary to being a Christ follower. And so through this series, we've been looking at ways that we can dethrone self, that we can get us out of the middle and put Jesus as the center of our lives. And so today, after we've talked about things like being self-centered and self-governed and self-sufficient, if you have not yet listened to some of those messages, I would encourage you, Lawrenceburg or Florence or anybody watching online, to take some time and go back and lean into those messages. You can find, always find them on our website, igotofaith.com. Uh, we have them on podcasts. We have a YouTube channel. Again, whatever works for you. But today, we're going to talk about this idea of being selfish. I'm just going to tell you, everybody, grab your right hand. Grab your right hand. I'll come this way. Squeeze your fist. Come on, Lawrenceburg. Lift up. Go over. Go down. And go click. You just buckled in. You just buckled in. You can't get out now. You're buckled in. We're going on a roller coaster. But I believe God's going to help us. Amen. Because here's the challenge is when I say the word selfish, probably many of us in this room automatically disqualified ourselves and said, hey, that's not me, but there's somebody I know, and I'm going to send the link to this message when pastor's done. The reality, there is some level of selfishness in all of us. Now, you may not be as selfish as someone else you, as you know, or you may not be as selfish as you once were, but the reality is there is a streak and a level of selfishness in all of us. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just true. Now, here's what's crazy is we can so clearly see it in kids. Right? Here's what selfishness is. Selfishness is it's the perspective that only sees self. It's this living this life in your vision. It's only only thing that matters to selfish people is you. Where you're going, your money, your kids, your family. Everybody else needs to get off the road because you got somewhere to be. It's only the movie you want to watch. It's only the event you want to do. It's only the game you want to play. Come on, somebody. Life's just about us. That is the me mentality at its, at, its, at, its, at its climax is, again, this idea of all of us in this room. Lawrenceburg, every one of you seated in that campus, everybody watching online, we all have a streak or level of selfishness. All the selfish people wave at me. All the people that ain't waving, you won't be waving at the end, trust me. So we're all selfish. Again, it's so easy to see it in kids, right? All of us who 
have, who have kids or have had kids. You may not remember when you were a kid, but come on, kids are some of the most scoundrel kids, selfish, right? They didn't even know they had that toy until their brother, their sibling, or their friend picked up that toy, and now they want to play with the toy. They got nine toys, can't play with eight of them. They just don't want to lay one down because they don't want somebody else to play with it, right? You can see selfishness so clearly in little bratty kids, and you were that bratty kid. Now, this is free information. If you are a parent or about to be a parent, one of the things that Shauna and I, we, we navigated with our kids, especially our daughters, because uh, they were about 15 months apart, and you would see some of, that, some of that selfishness leak in on both of them, right? Some of you guys remember as parents when, when there's like only one of something left, especially if it's like food, like there's only one candy bar left or only one piece of cake left, and you would say this, just split it. And the next thing you know, you hear the noise in the kitchen like someone got their skull split. Like there's fighting and crying and carrying on. And so kids are so selfish. When you tell a kid to split something, they split it in a really unequal, right, non-proportional way and give the small piece to the siblings. So this is what we did to help our kids navigate that selfish streak in them is if there was something they wanted to split, especially food, is we would let the first kid cut it and then the second kid gets the first choice. That's free. You can tuck that in your pocket for later. That works with spouses too, by the way. <laughs> See, I'm, when they had to cut it, knowing their, their, their sibling got to pick first, man, they would take like five minutes where the line went. Why? Because, come on, we're all selfish. And it's not just in kids. Come on, it's in us. It's in all of us as adults. It's not something we leave behind in childhood. I mean, look around at the culture and the society that we live in. How many times have we witnessed viral videos of individuals walking down a street and a camera captured them stepping over another individual that was wounded, that was hurt, that was taken advantage of, and they just maneuver over at them as if there's not a human being laying on that sidewalk, someone who was mugged or beaten or someone who slipped and fell. And again, we witness over and over. Why? That's not my grandma. That's not my grandfather. Like, I got places to go. I got people. Like, I don't care. We see it in society and culture. We see it, people fighting over parking spaces. I was almost shot in Atlanta over a parking spot. True story. I'll save it for later. It's a good one. People fight over your place in line. Come on, Christmas is coming. And some of you are going to go to prison for your kids, G.I. Joe doll, whatever is popular this year. Isn't it crazy? You don't want somebody, it's okay if they cut in line behind you. Like they can cut somebody else, but they better not cut me. Right? Hey, 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 hey. You wasn't up there, you better go back. Why? Because we don't want anybody getting in our space. We don't want anybody cutting us in line. Why? We are selfish people. And here's the thing is, unfortunately, it doesn't stop at the doors of the church. Somehow selfishness bleeds its way in. Get ready. Don't get offended. Just take a deep breath. This will sting a little bit. Right? We're just, we are just all about us. We have people, not so much here. This is something a lot of times we've outgrown, but still it even happens here where church members will fight over seats. That's my seat. I've been in churches that meet every Sunday, and they're not a growing church. So people got, that's their seat with their cushion on it. It's got their croquet arm thing, and nobody better sit in their seat. Well, I want you to know the seats here at Faith Church are for first-time guests, and we give them priority because we want people to have a seat at the table so they can hear the gospel of Jesus and join us in heaven one day. Come on, somebody. Now, if you're clapping, you're on board with me. But for the rest of you, that when we have a packed Sunday and the ushers come down and say, will you slide down? Will you slide down? You're like, I was here first. I like the outside row. Come on. Oh, I'm stepping on some toes now. 
It's, it's crazy. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's because there is this selfish streak in all of us that it's about me. And unfortunately, it, it's, it's demonstrated the loudest and the clearest in Christ followers because a lot of times Christians have this me mentality that we are consumers. And we treat Christ and the church as a commodity of what they can do for us and how they can help us rather than living as Christ followers and serving and saying, what can they do for me? We show up at a church and someone holds the door for me. Someone holds my baby. Someone teaches my, my, my junior hire. Someone fixes my coffee. Someone plays me some music. Someone preaches me a message and I'm warm and fuzzy and I got warm coffee and it was a good day and we leave. Come on, somebody. And not only do we leave, but we leave three minutes early and disrupt the service sliding out. You ain't hiding from nobody. You're disrupting me and everybody that's in front of you so you can get out of the parking lot first because it's about you so you can get to the restaurant first because it's about you instead of showing up saying what door can I hold what baby can I hold what camera can I hold I'm not going to get out of here first I'm going to get out of here last so I can love some people pray for some people encourage some people because life's not about me it's about others come on somebody oh pastor preaching today the me mentality now if you don't think you're selfish I just would encourage you to ask some people Ask your spouse. Now, you might say, did you ask your spouse? I didn't ask my spouse. You know why? Because I know I'm selfish, and I was afraid of what she would say. <laughs> if you don't think you're selfish, uh, 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 teenagers or kids, ask your parents. If you're not married, ask a friend and give them permission to be honest. There is a selfish streak on the inside of all of us. Now, here's the challenge that we have to understand is that we have to realize that selfishness is a sin. Now, it doesn't feel that way because, again, it's so, especially as we're younger and we can see it so clear, it just feels like it's a, this innate part of who we are. It's just part of, like, we're going to navigate it. And the reason I know that selfishness is a sin is because anytime God's word, here's what sin is. Here's a very basic uh, definition of what sin is. Sin is doing anything that God says don't do or not doing what God says to do. Sins of commission is doing what God said don't do. A sin of omission is not doing what God said to do. And the Apostle Paul very clearly says in the book of Philippians, he says this. Come on, everybody read this with me. Don't be. So anytime you're selfish, every time you're selfish, every time you put you first, every time you get in line first, every time you make life about you, you're being selfish and you're sinning. So selfishness is something that we have to see as Christ followers as something to be overcome. We have to see it as something to navigate, something to crucify in our flesh, something to grow out of. We have to see it as a sin to repent of and to be the people that God's called us to be. Sin is the me mentality. It's the selfishness where, again, I'm in the center and life is all about me. Now, here's what we need to know is, like, why is this such a big deal? Why is selfishness? Obviously, man, we've, we've had our parents tell us, don't be selfish. We've had people tell us to share I'm up here telling you Paul said it's a sin. And so I think there's something that resonates in all of us. that We don't need to be guilted into it. Like we realize, hey, that's probably not the best human behavior to have. But why? Why is selfishness such a big deal? I think at the end of the day, one of the reasons selfishness is something to get away from, because number one, it keeps us from fulfilling the great commandment. What is the great commandment? Jesus was asked that question. What is the greatest commandment? Lawrenceburg, you know what he said? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people. The greatest thing you can do is to love God and love people. And selfishness keeps us from fulfilling that. Here's why. Paul said that love is not self-seeking. 
One of the truest qualities of love is love isn't selfish. It's not self-seeking. You can't love people when you're always concerned about you. And so walking with the me mentality of selfishness keeps you from really loving people. And so if you're not, if you're walking as a selfish individual or person, then you can't love other people. So you can't fulfill the great commandment. The second thing, I think the reason that selfishness is such a big deal, not only does it keep us from fulfilling the great commandment, but I think this is maybe even more important. It keeps us from being like Christ. There is, if you want to figure out how to navigate getting away from selfishness and living a life of generosity and sacrifice, then follow the model of Jesus because nobody has been more selfless ever on this people planet than Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And he has given all of us a clear model to follow of what it looks like to get outside of the me mentality. Think about this for a minute when you think about Jesus. Jesus, again, he lived the, mo- the epitome of a selfless life. <coughs> It's not COVID. <clears throat> don't, isn't, it cra- isn't it crazy you feel like you got to say that? You get a sneeze, you're like, I'm, I don't have COVID, just dust allergies. Some people are like, he shouldn't joke about it. <laughs> Anyways, back on the trail. We got off, but we're going to go back. Jesus, when you look at the life of Jesus, right? Jesus was the epitome of selflessness. Jesus wrapped himself in humanity. He was the eternal son of God who came, who left his place in glory, left his place at the right hand of the Father, wrapped himself in this tired, weak flesh. He didn't have to do that. And he didn't come and live in a castle. He came and he walked dirty, dusty roads. He didn't hang out with the prosperous and the popular. Jesus touched lepers. He healed the sick. He didn't hang out with the best people. He invested his life sacrificially into disciples that wouldn't always believe and wouldn't always obey. And ultimately, his life was culminated in the fact that he, didn't, he wasn't murdered. He willingly laid down his life to the point of being crucified on a Roman cross. And when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus laid it all down for us. Like he lived this, he made life about other people. That's why when you hear John 3.16, John 3.16, come on, let's say that first part together. For God so loved what? The world. Come on, say it. For God so loved the world. What that means is when when God looked at us, he didn't get this warm, fuzzy feeling like, there's my people. Gosh, I like them. Those shoes, though. No, it wasn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. It It was an attitude of generosity and sacrifice that Jesus gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he made his life about other people. In fact, Christianity is founded on selflessness. The momentum of the message of the gospel is continued through selflessness. There would be no resurrection had Jesus not first lived a life of selflessness and sacrifice. And so the fact that Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior, demonstrated and lived fully a life of sacrifice, and as Christ's followers were following Christ, were to be like him, we're called to sacrifice selfishness and live selflessness. Everybody say selflessness. Doesn't even roll off the tongue easy, does it? Because, man, it just doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right in life. It doesn't feel right when we're making decisions. It's a challenge. It's a difficulty. Here's something, just a side note. If, if you're here, you're in Lawrenceburg, or you're watching online, and you're not even sure about this Jesus thing, you're not sure really about this Bible thing, you're not sure about faith, just a side note, this is for all of us, but 
just, just a freebie. If you want to just be more popular, be selfless. Generous people are some of the best people to have in your circle, have in your life. Instead of showing up at a party or showing up at a conversation, instead of being the interesting person, be an interested person. I know you think like you roll in what you're wearing, what you look like, what you're working, what you're making, that makes you. People, let me tell you, you know what people's favorite subject is? Them. You want to know how to work a room? Here's how you work a room. Show up in a room and start having conversations and asking people about them. Hey, wh what do you do for a living? What do your kids do? Oh, he plays football. What position does he play? How's your grandma doing? Those are some nice shoes. Where'd you get those shoes from? Man, I really like your style. Where do you get your clothes from? Man, I like that hair. Who cut your... Me, 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 me. Do you know why Jesus was so popular? I know it's because, well, he was the Messiah. No, that's not why. You know why Jesus was so popular? Because, because he made his life about other people. If you just want to be better in life, forget faith for a minute. If you just want to be more popular, here's the way you get to become more popular is make your life about other people. Be generous with other people. Be selfless with other people. And you'll be one of the most popular people on campus, on school, in church, or in the workplace. Be generous and be sacrificial. Come on, somebody. But what I want us to do is I want us to... Here's, I'm going to give you this verse real quick. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, if you serve Christ with this attitude, this attitude of generosity and sacrifice, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. Man, we, how many of you here want to please God? Come on, Lawrence, how many of you want to please God? Then you have to have an attitude of generosity and selflessness. Not only that, watch this, and others will approve of you too. That's awesome. So I want us to look into this. Here's what Jesus said. Again, ultimately, if we are a Christ follower, here's our challenge, Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. He says, your attitude must be like my own. So we know the life that he lived. Your attitude must be like my own. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served. I didn't come to be the center. I didn't come to be selfish. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. If you're taking notes, here's what we're going to talk about today. This idea, how do you break the selfish streak in all of us? Selfishness is overcome through sacrifice. The more sacrificial you are and the more generous you are, the less selfish you can be. You cannot be selfless and selfish at the same time. You cannot be generous and selfish at the same time. So if we strive to live this life of making life about others, of being sacrificial, of being generous with our time, our talent, our treasure, our words, our money, if we will strive to be more generous, it automatically breaks the selfish spirit. It's in all of us. Come on, somebody. And so uh, it's, it's this attitude of it's, it's, it's not me, thee. It's not mine, it's thine. I'm gonna make life about you. And that's hard. I, I'm just gonna tell you like, I don't even want to preach this message because I know, like, if I'm dropping the ball anywhere, it's right here. I'm like, Lord, I'm not preaching. I'm going to preach something else and not feel like a, such, such a hypocrite preaching it. I'm just going to tell you something, and don't be mad at me. Don't judge me. Just hear this. I hate moving. And the only thing worse than I hate in moving is helping other people move. I despise it. I hate it. Now, here's the crazy thing. So some of you here, we, we have about, about 40 staff here at Faith Church. And like any other organization, some people move, move on, some people move in. And every time someone moves out or every time someone moves in, I'm the leap. I love Jesus. <laughs> so here comes, you know, they got four Penske trucks, 26 foot. Where, why do you even have that much stuff? I get all judgmental when I'm moving. They don't even need this crap. They should have thrown this away. 
Don't nobody need eight Christmas trees. What's wrong with you? You got a problem. But every time somebody moves, or most times, like, I'm going to be there. And I hate every minute. My heart's not right with the Lord. I'm Christian cussing in my head the whole time. I hate moving. And so when I know a move's coming, I quit answering my phone. I'm telling you. Text me. Oh, you text me? I didn't get that text. It's easier to repent of lying than it is selfishness. No, I don't. I'm just telling you that. So, but here's the crazy thing is, so when a, when a friend, they're friends of mine, and I have moved, I counted before this, my wife and I, we have moved six times since we've been married. And every time we move, we didn't move alone. Someone else helped us move. But it's, I just feel like I, I have a lot more friends that I help move than help me move. I, it just feels that way. Come on, anybody else help move, hate moving? Just wave at me. You just hate moving. So if nobody took note, there's a list of movers, scratch my name off. You ain't helping me serve Jesus. Or are you? Because when I'm like, I don't want to go help them move. I don't like helping people move. But that's someone I value. That's a friend of mine. That's a co-laborer of mine. If I'm really going to be a Christ follower, then I need to sacrifice how I feel. I need to sacrifice some of my time. I need to be generous with who I am and what I have. And I need to help them move. Come on, the way you overcome selfishness is through sacrifice. The more you hoard who you are and what you have, you will dive down the deep hole of selfishness. The way you climb out of it is through sacrifice and generosity. Come on, somebody. I'm going to do what I don't want to do. I'm going to give what I don't think I should give. I'm going to go over and above to have conversations that make me uncomfortable because Jesus made it clear that he is our model of generosity. And selfishness is a sin, but generosity is being like Jesus. And I'm going to be like Jesus. And I'm going to continue to be less and less like me and break the me mentality. Come on, how many people want to break the me mentality? Come on, Florence and Lawrenceburg. So I wanna, what I want to do is I want to navigate into a section of Scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, again, verses are always on the screen. The Apostle Paul is having this conversation, and he's talking about this idea of really everything we just talked about, but really how it, how it plays out practically. Like what does it look like practically to break selfishness in your life? And we're going to look at two sections, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we're going to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So we're going to cover a lot of scriptures in just a few minutes. But, but listen for just one minute what he says here. 2 Corinthians, starting in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 7. Watch this. He says, since you excel in so many ways, since you're growing, since you're, you're moving forward in your faith, since you're developing, since you're growing, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us. Watch this. Everybody read this out loud. Everybody online, listen, say it out loud. I want you to excel. Say that word. Scream that word. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of Look at somebody next to you and say giving. He said, I want you to grow in this. I want you to excel in this. Again, here's, he's looking at this church in Corinth and the whole subject The whole subject of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 is that there was a church in Jerusalem that was under all kinds of trouble and persecution, and they needed needed financial help. And so the apostle Paul was working with other area churches, and he was raising an offering that he was going to take and take it over and deliver to the church in Jerusalem. And so he's, he's, what he's doing is he's been preparing the church in Corinth, who he wrote this letter to, to get ready. He's getting ready to come pick the offering up. And now he's talking about, hey, are you ready for me to come get the offering that you said you were going to give so I can take it to your brothers and sisters in need? 
And he starts off with this conversation. He says, hey, here's why, I'm doing, here's why we're having this conversation. Right now, it's less about them and more about you. It's not about what you're going to do for them as much as what's going to happen in you. Because generosity and breaking the cycle of selfishness helps us grow. And again, because all of us are in this journey, all of us are moving forward, think about maybe how you've grown as a Christ follower. Think about maybe in your spiritual journey since you gave your life to Christ or at least started coming to church, think about things that have changed. Some of you used to club till four, now you're only out till two. I'll take what I can get, Jesus will too. <laughs> right? Some of you, man, would never come to church and here you are, not just at church, you're at the early service. Some of you, come on, think about how your life has changed. Some of you, man, like every other word was a cuss word. Now only third word is like progress. Breathe, people. This lands so much better than the second service. You, I'm, just, I'm just laughing with how y'all are living. Y'all are like, I praise the Lord. Come on, some of you only do 20 over the speed limit instead of 30. Come on, progress. But real talk, come on, you're at How many people, man, you see your attitude's better, your heart's better, life's better? Come on, how many people see yourself growing and moving in the things of God? This is what the Apostle Paul's pointing to. He's saying, listen, when you come to Jesus, you start growing in knowledge. You start discovering who God is, what God is like. You start getting handles on prayer like, I was so clumsy when I first started praying. And now I feel more comfortable. Why? Because I'm growing in faith. I'm growing in a prayer life. I was so clumsy in reading the Bible. Where do you read? How long do you read? You know, now I'm more comfortable reading my Bible, understanding the things of God. Why? Because I'm growing and maturing. And so he says, hey, now you're, you're growing in your gifts and you're growing in your talents and you're growing in your knowledge. You're growing in wisdom, how to make better decisions. He says, now, one of the areas you need to grow in that I want you to grow in is in the area of generosity. So the way we can measure our spiritual growth is in our generosity. The more selfish you are, the more stunted you are in spiritual growth. The more generous you are, the more you're moving away from the me mentality. And so selfishness is not something you grow out of physically. It's something you mature into spiritually. You can't look at a little kid and say, well, he's going to outgrow it. I'm telling you, take any selfish kid, and every one of them is dirty, rotten, and selfish. And they're going to be selfish the rest of their life because it's, it's not something at 18 you just stop being selfish. When you get your driver's license, you don't stop being selfish. When you hit 21, you can buy alcohol, but you're still selfish. 25, 30, 50, 80, you're still selfish. What breaks the me mentality of selfishness is not some physical number or physical maturity. It's something spiritually, again, that we grow into. And so if you, you and I, if we're moving forward in spiritual things, at some point, we should be becoming less and less selfish and more and, my, more and more like Jesus who lived a life of sacrifice and generosity. So let me just ask you a question. How's your generosity? How would you measure the selfishness or the selflessness of your current life? Well, the best way to discover it is to look at how do, you, how do you manage your time, your desires, your money, your words. They're the greatest indicators of our life. And so he goes on, he says this, verse 8, I love it. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. He's saying, I'm not telling you you have to give, which right now a lot of us in this room are like, Whew. Like, you're like, where was that verse at again? Because I'm going to memorize that one. I'm going to get that on a bumper. I'm not commanded to give. Right there it is. Now, listen, just to be clear, I want to read the rest of this because he's not telling you you don't have to give. Listen to this. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness 
of other churches. What he's saying is this. He's saying, he's saying, I can't, I'm not commanding you to do it because you can't command love. Remember, generosity is a manifestation of love. He says, you can't, you can't command somebody to love you. I command you love me. It's impossible. Love is something of free will. You can't force somebody to like you. You can't force somebody to love you, and you can't force generosity. The point that he's making is, hey, I can't command you to do this, but I can compel you. If you really love people, if you really are walking in love, there's going to be this manifestation of generosity. So I'm just trying to, hey, hey, here's an opportunity for you to walk this thing out. What, I want, what you need to know is that, that giving people aren't always generous, but generous people always give. Just because you let go of some time or let go of some money or let go of something doesn't necessarily make you a generous person. But if you are truly a generous person, you will consistently and constantly be a giving person. So he's saying, hey, here's your opportunity to walk out this love you say you have and you've experienced through Jesus. Here's an, he's, saying, he's saying, hey, this, this church needs your help, and I think you should help. But just real quick, this is probably more about you than them right now because this is an opportunity for you to grow. This is an opportunity for you to sacrifice this is an opportunity for you to crucify selfishness in your life. And then he says this, verse 9. He says, and you know the generous, this is so powerful. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes. Remember I told you about the life of Jesus? Listen how Paul describes it. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. So that by his poverty, you could become rich. He's saying Jesus lived a life of selflessness for others. And if you will live the same life, right, generosity ultimately makes you like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Be generous. It was the hallmark of his life. It's what he was known for. It's how his life, it's the reason we're sitting here today is because the son of God lived a life of sacrifice and generosity. Had he made life about him? Well, hey, I, after all, I'm the son of God, so everybody's here for me. You guys are all about me, and life is all about me, and everybody just come and bow down and worship me. Now, he deserves all honor, glory, praise, and power. It all belongs to him. But while he was here in the flesh, he made life about others. And that's why we're here today, is because Jesus lived a life of sacrifice and generosity. But then, so he lays this down. He says, here's, here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's the opportunity you have to break the cycle of selfishness in your life. And here's why I want you to do it. But here's the thing I love about God is, did you know every time God calls us to obedience, there's always blessings behind it? Anytime God calls you to live a certain way, a lot of times it feels like maybe we're losing something or taking something. But I want you to know this. Anytime you live a life of obedience, anytime you follow Christ, life will get better. There's always blessings behind the obedience. Where's my worshipers at? How many people love to show up and you love to get your praise on? You love the music. They're like not just your favorite song, but come on, you're going to lift your hands. You're going to shout. You're going to sing. Wave at me if you're the worshiper in the house. All the people are, the rest are like, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> but come on, all of us in this room, I know I have been there. How many people have ever walked into a church service and you had a bad morning, like you didn't get along with your spouse or you beat your kids and like you felt bad about it. You ran a cat over down like on your way here trying to get out of your subdivision because you were late. You spilled coffee on yourself. Like, it's just a bad day, and you got here, and the last thing you wanted to do was worship, but all of a sudden, the music kicked in, and you felt like, hey, this isn't about me. It's about God, because worship's not about the song I like. It's about the Savior I serve. So, God, I'm going to make this about you. And you start lifting your hands, and you start 
thing. The next thing you know, even though we are called to give the sacrifice of praise, even though you're giving something, all of a sudden you start getting something because as you pour out to God, God pours back far more than you could ever pour out to him. How many people have ever experienced the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the presence of the Holy Spirit through worship? Come on, somebody. Why? Because obedience always follows blessings. When you pour out, when you say, God, I'm going to do it your way, God always gives back and pays back and blesses in a higher measure than you ever gave in the first place. Man, that's a powerful principle that I'm trying to teach you guys today. So generosity and sacrifice is not just about breaking the cycle of selfishness, which is a sin, which we all need to get away from, that we all need to grow out of. But God says, if you'll start living a life of generosity and sacrifice, God says, I'll not just do something through you or for you. I'll start to do something through you. So I want you to see this. Watch how this unplays. I want you to lay eyes on this. This is so powerful. Go over to 2 Corinthians now, verse 9. He's still having this same conversation. He says this. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants, oh, there's that word. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, I want you to know, he didn't go from money to farming. He's teaching a principle of life, a biblical principle that's been in place since the garden, that whatever seeds you plant in the ground, it comes out in a greater harvest than what you planted. You plant one seed, and you get a plant with nine, uh, I'm not a farmer, corn on the cob, is that what it's called? What is it? What? An ear of corn, that's right, I knew that term. I was testing you all. I just want to see if you guys will wait. Lawrenceburg, it's an ear of corn. And each one of those kernels, that's a seed. You plant one seed and think about the thousands you get out. You plant one apple seed, think about all the apples with all the seeds. This is the principle that he's giving of sowing and reaping. Watch this. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Do you all notice this is something that each of us do? He's saying generosity, specifically in the, in the lane of giving, is something that each of us do. It's not something the one percenters do. It's not something the rich do. It's not something the people you think who have more than you have do. He says that someone, he said everyone who's a Christ follower, it's an each one thing. Everybody say each one. Look at the person next to you and say, you're an each one. Come on, tell them. Say, you're an each one. He's talking to you because each one of us should be living a life of generosity, should be living a life of giving. He said, when you do it, when you do it, you're planting seed, you're sowing seed. Again, this idea, again, I want you to notice again, he says this, he says, he says, um, back up, he says, uh, he says, but each one must decide in his heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. So he said, he said again, you just have to give out of this attitude of love. He goes on verse eight and he says, God, I love this. And God will generously provide all you need. Now, you have to choose whether you believe God can do that or not. I can just tell you, I've been living a life of faith. I've been following Christ for almost 30 years, and I have found out the God that I serve, God will generously, God has generously, consistently provided for my life. And see, the challenge of walking out a life of generosity is if we feel like we give, we have less. And God says, you're thinking like the world thinks. But you need to understand, the more you give, the more you're living like me, the more you're becoming like me, 
Because if life's about you, you're going to keep all you have and make it about you. And you're going to buy more clothes and a nicer car and the nicest iPhone and a bigger TV. And you're going to have more kids and you're just going to keep driving bigger things and nicer things and more expensive stuff. He says, no. He says, listen, if you understand, if you will live a life of generosity and sacrifice, God says every time you sacrifice, God says you're planting seed in the ground and a harvest is coming back to you. This is the beauty of the principle. Are you, are you ready for this? He says, right, when, you, when you're generous, not only are you breaking a selfish spirit, he, so it says, not just what I'm doing in you, but I'm doing something through you because now your generosity is a blessing to other people. Come on, somebody. You just got to help somebody, love somebody. Every time you give here at Faith Church, we're sending the gospel around the world. It's not just breaking selfishness in you. We're sending the gospel through your generosity. Watch. It says, watch, and God will generously provide all you need. And then you always have everything you need, I love this, and plenty left over to share with others. Do you notice this cycle? So you start as a selfish person. I don't want to give anything. Church don't need my money. I'm not giving anybody my time. I'm not going to help them move. It's about me, mine, I. He says when you choose to become like Christ, you start living a life of sacrifice and generosity. Not only does it break selfishness in you, not only does it bless those around you, but God, it, God says it sets you up to get more. Why? So you can have more. Not so you can be selfish, but so you can give more and be a blessing so you can get more. Why? So you can give more, so it continues to break the cycle of selfishness in you. See here, I found something out. Watch. Are you all ready? See, when I first got saved, I was the cat that was getting paychecks of $115, and I still put gas in my tank, and I started to buy some food, and I said, and when I got $115 and, and thought, wait a minute, a tithe is $11. $11, that's a lot of money. Once I start making $1,000, I'll tithe. Well, here's what I found out. $100 is a whole lot more than $11. But I'd rather have the $100 problem than the $11 problem. First time we, we had the privilege to write a check for $1,000. Write a check for $5,000. Written checks for $10,000. I was like, I, I'd rather give $11. But you know how we got to the $1,000 check and the $5,000 check? Because we were generous with the $11 check. And God said, I'm breaking selfishness in you. Yeah, you can buy something else and you can get another shirt and you can get another pair of shoes and you can, you can get another Hulu account. Or you can... But how about you quit making life about you and make it about somebody else? And you open your hands and you let go. And you can be a blessing to somebody else. And now they hear the gospel. Now they hear the good news. Now they're growing in the faith that you discovered. And God gets a whole lot of people that have the cycle of selfishness broken in their lives, right? Man, the gospel starts going forward. The movement of selflessness that Christ started 2,000 years ago continues to advance to the ends of the earth. Why? So God continue to bless his people. So if you're not blessed in your life, the issue is not what God will do. God said he will do it. It's based on what you will do. Because if you continue to live close-handed and selfish, it shuts down the cycle that we're talking about. Here's what God says, last verse. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I'm going to read that again. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity. He's saying, the more you open up, the more I pour in. The more you open up, the more I pour in. And when you shut down the cycle through selfishness, it shuts down the cycle of generosity in your life. See, God says, I'll be generous to you if I can be generous through you. 
Come on, somebody. How many people already know this is true? How many people have discovered this is true? How many people be honest enough like me and say, I need to be a lot less selfish with my life? Lawrenceburg, raise your hand if you're saying, I just need to be a lot less selfish. So we just invite you to come. Lord, will you break a spirit of selfishness that God continues to grip all of us? Lord, will you help us to walk out the life that you saved us for, to follow the Savior that we say we're following, to become more like Jesus, who is the epitome of selflessness? God, help us to be generous with our time, our talent, our treasure, our attitude, our hearts, that you can do a work in us, you can do a work through us, and you can do a work for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.